I want to talk to you uh, specifically about this topic, so I'm going to jump right in uh, head first with it, picking up from what Dr. Chris shared with us last week about the tabernacle. So we're going to pick that topic back up tonight and continue with this system of worship. And what I'm going to build is this premise of where I left off two weeks ago with this premise right here, God's kingdom government is impossible without priesthood. But I don't want to just make that comment. I want to attempt tonight to prove from Scripture why the priesthood is such an important concept in God's kingdom government. And here's what's fun. It includes you. And once you realize what it means for you, my prayer tonight is for those of you that are here and those that may watch and study later, that it will flip you upside down to get busy about the kingdom of God and what you're called to do. And that's my prayer tonight as we kind of land the plane for this semester. Here's a verse that is interesting. Hebrews chapter 8, there'll be a lot of scripture tonight, so I'll try to be very meticulous as we talk about it. They served in a system of worship, talking about the Old Testament system of worship, again, which Dr. Chris laid out beautifully, this tabernacle. But that tabernacle is only a copy. This is what really stretches our brain, because the real one is in heaven. So all of that that he showed us last week with the articles and the the tent and the tabernacle that was set up, this verse says in Hebrews 9.23 that this is why the tabernacle and everything in it which were copies of things in heaven, they had to be purified by the blood of animals. So this, I, I've really been pondering this, like how is this even possible? But this tabernacle that shows up in the wilderness, this very archaic looking tent structure. Uh, it looks like it's something so archaic it definitely would not fit in our modern times. But that, which is the best rendition somebody could come up with off of the biblical writings, and they put this together based off of how it would look based off of what God gave to Moses. That, this is what's mind-blowing, that is in heaven. Strange, right? Because when we think heaven, what do we think? Streets of gold, mansions, horses pawing the ground, angels flying around. And what we get is this very archaic tent-looking structure that the Bible says is the exact copy this as what's in heaven. And that topic alone has caused me to shy away a lot because it stretches my brain to try to think, this is, this is South Georgia Redneck, what in the Sam Hill is going on here? I understand it on the earth, but I've, I've racked my brain. I've had conversations upon conversations with people. Why is that in the eternal realm? Why does that matter? Why would a tent inside another tent with all these articles that we discussed last week be in the eternal realm and so critical that God demands Moses make it to the exact replica on the earth? So that tells me something. When Jesus says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there's this weird thing that God loves to manifest what is on heaven to duplicate it on the earth. And what's more interesting is the vessel within which that is done is us. We become that vessel. Here's what's strange. God can make the entire universe by speaking, let there be light, let there be expanse in the heaven. But when it came time for this to manifest, the exact replica of heaven, God did not build this. God simply gave the instructions and he let humans build it. That in itself is mind-blowing. That God would entrust a human to make it exactly like it was in heaven and then back away and go, okay, fellas, have at it. Make it just like I just showed you to do it. 
And the funny thing about it is, to my knowledge, Moses doesn't have a video camera to go video it, which is going to teach us the extreme importance of being able to clearly hear God and communicate what we hear. Because this was not, to my knowledge, downloaded on a VHS CD player. It was downloaded via a conversation on a mountain and he made it beautiful. This is what I want to talk about tonight. And I pray this little temple tabernacle shifts your life. Let's go back two weeks. And two weeks ago we left off with the thought that this whole system of worship was God's kingdom government. That this whole system, now here's what's strange, this system on the earth, this exact copy is in heaven. So these instruments where the priests are, this high priest, this tabernacle, this most holy place, this holy place, all of this is in the heavenly realm. So up there in what we call heaven... There is the brazen altar, there is the laver, there's all the articles that we talked about, those five articles, and then in that little center area, there's the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat over the covenant, and inside that were the articles which were Aaron's rod that budded the Ten Commandments and a jar of manna. Weird, I know, I keep going this way because my mind is just going, ah, is all that's in heaven. And so I'm like, why? What's going on that this would even be needed? What's happening in the eternal realm that this tent would be working? Here's what we find out. This is where it gets interesting. Again, Dr. Chris talked about this in depth, but here are the five articles that were necessary for this duty of a priest to carry out. The brazen altar, the laver basin, the lampstand, the incense, and the showbread. The three, lampstand, incense, and showbread, are in what is called the holy place. And then there's the curtain where the presence of God would reside. And that was off limits. You could only go there once a year by someone called the high priest. But these five articles, which Moses crafts to be on the earth, these five articles are in the heavenly realms. And this most holy place where, quote, the presence of God resides is in the heavenly realm. So if we go up into heaven and we look around heaven and we see all the streets of gold and then suddenly we see this tabernacle up there, we're like, well, that seems archaic because the drawings I see of heaven never include this. They include angels and bright lights and streets of gold and pearly gates and jewels and not this archaic tent, but... There has to be a reasoning of why, which always captivates me. And that's what I always try to do is the why behind the captivating. Here it is laid out in a system. The tabernacle that's set up in the Old Testament, there's the gate, there's the brazen altar, the laver, the lampstand, the showbread, the incense, and then behind the veil is this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Now here's what gets very interesting to me is this scripture that I held on to from the beginning of our teaching. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 9, I was chosen to explain to everyone the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this, and here it comes again, was to use the church, so so the church is eternal. This concept that you and I sitting here today call ourselves the church, this concept was a mystery before earth was ever created. We're going to talk about it when we get to the end of this teaching on kingdom. Right now we're kind of halfway through. But that church was to display God's wisdom. Now, in a rich variety to the unseen rulers, and then it gets very interesting, and authorities in heavenly places. This was an eternal plan. So God had a plan where the church would be used to display the wisdom of God to spirit beings, to beings of authority, to beings that would rule, 
God would use this motley crew now we call the church and then we call ourselves Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal. But before we got involved, there was this thing in the eternal realm where the church would be used to display the wisdom. So here's what we can know and we could just deduce. This eternal plan which was carried out through Christ Jesus because Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So one thing we can begin to deduce about this is that God did desire his presence to be known. He wanted to be known. He was not trying to hide himself from people. He had a desire to be known. And that being known was even in the heavenly realms. Before there were humans, before there was earth, God had a desire to be known and was going to work a plan. And the plan that he was going to work is that the church would make his presence known. The way the world is going to know God is real is you. Now that thinking that I think is interesting pulls up these laws of the universe. We looked at this like in lesson one. But to me, everything God is going to do is going to move itself toward the mystery of the church being revealed. The spirit world, it's there, it exists. The order of creation, this is my belief. I may teach on it one year. But my belief is that everything you see playing out in the Old Testament is the hidden mystery of the church that will be revealed in the New Testament. God's always working something. Nothing is haphazard. And then this becomes interesting. Back to Ephesians chapter 4. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And the responsibility there is, is to teach God and equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.16, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy. Now, according to this, the church has been in the eternal realm and is going to be revealed. And then we get this tabernacle with these five articles that are a visible manifestation of the heavenly realm. But by the time we get to the New Testament, what we get is Christ. And I, I put out at the bottom the church from the beginning of time. What if, this is a what if, but I kindly believe it. So I'm going to throw it to you. What if the tabernacle we see in the Old Testament is the precursor of what the church would be in the New Testament. And both of them are visible earthly manifestations of this one system up in heaven. So in the Old Testament, you get the brazen altar, the laver, the lampstand, the showbread, and the incense. But in the New Testament, you get the five gifts given to the church. You get an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher. So in the Old Testament, what you get are five different ways that the priest would get you into the presence of God so that your sins could be forgiven. What you get in the New Testament are five gifts given from Jesus to equip you to do the work of God. So that in the Old Testament, you were getting equipped by going through the brazen altar, the laver, the lampstand, the showbread, and the incense. But in the New Testament, you get equipped through the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Both of the systems of worship are to equip the workers to show forth the presence of God. So in the Old Testament, the job of the priest is to do the work of the tabernacle so the presence of God could be known. And in the New Testament, it is the work of the fivefold ministry to equip the people so that the presence of God can be known. Amen. So my belief is this little archaic system of a tent is nothing more than the revelation of the system of the church being played out on planet Earth. And how it's supposed to look. First Peter chapter 2, it gets really interesting. 
You are coming to Christ, who is a living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What is more, you're his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ so that you can offer spiritual sacrifices. So my belief is, is that the church today, we say Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian. Got to stop thinking that way. The church, this group of people, is God's spiritual temple on planet Earth, equipped by the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, so that the presence of God can be known to the world. Now, if I want to go back and destroy this system, all I have to do is just tell the priest, eh, don't worry about the brazen altar. It's dirty. It's full of blood. Just forget it. As a matter of fact, after you burn that cow, don't worry about washing in the labor. No, they had to follow this pattern specifically. And if they didn't, they dropped dead. Okay, that's Old Testament. My belief is, what if in the New Testament... We try to get around this by saying, yeah, apostles, they're passed away. Prophets really don't matter. It's just a bunch of people that think they know stuff. And perhaps the reason the church is so anemically destroyed and weak today is we're trying to be a spiritual temple and we only like two of the gifts, the pastor and the evangelist. All the other ones irritate me. I might can handle the teacher... But the pastor is the guy that's every Sunday. The teacher is the real boring person that shows up on Wednesday. And the evangelist comes once a year to stir people up. And we wonder why the church is so weak. It would be no different in the Old Testament than just going, well, we just got rid of the laver and we got rid of the brazen altar and the showbread. We just like to show up with the candles and see what's going on. So let's take this system and realize that it's not like we can just pick and choose which gifts we want to equip us to be able to display the presence of God. Oh, but it gets better. And so, dear brothers and sisters, here's where it gets strange. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19, and 20. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So here's what happens. Jesus now is the doorway. He's the gate of the tabernacle. And now Jesus lightning bolts the curtain. There is no more secret place with God. He blows the thing off and says the presence of God is known. And now he tells me that every, every believer is now a priest. You're all a priest. Every one of you are to be in this system. Sitting at home watching YouTube is not being a priest. Watching your favorite pastor on TV is not how you become a priest. You have to be in the system working it. You have to be part of the ongoing. No different than a priest standing outside the fence could be saying, well, I'm part of the system. No, you got to go through the gate and get involved. you got to kill the calf. You've got to gut it. You've got to drain the blood. You've... So there's a lot of people who don't understand the power of the local church because they don't understand the power of the Old Testament tabernacle. It was not a joke. And neither is the church. It's why Paul will say, this is why so many people die young and are sick because they do not acknowledge that this system of God's government called the local church is so holy and so powerful that if you even go against it, you can die young and be sick. That is, that's mind-blowing. And, and we're blaming the devil. Or the devil's getting us. I'm like, maybe not. Maybe it's because we Christians just make light of this thing called local church that was eternal. 
That was in the heavenly realm. And now that we're here, we bite each other and devour each other and talk about each other. And Paul says, look, dude, doing that makes you sick. And I've buried people because they, they spoke against this system of his government. And I'm not saying people don't abuse it. But I am saying we have to get into our thinking that this tabernacle in the Old Testament that's set up here on earth that now displays itself, I wonder why it's such a holy thing that now is just so common. Well, I might go to church. I might hop around. And we don't understand what's going on. Listen to this, Hebrews 10. So let's just go into the presence of God with sincere hearts and fully trust Him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. For the tabernacle and everything in it, which were, again, just copies of heaven, had to be purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.8 By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place had not yet freely been opened. Now, with this verse, I'm going to leave it there for a minute. Because it, it challenges us to think about something. Because what it challenges is, in this eternal realm, there was something that blocked the presence of God. Because this verse says, until Jesus died, the entrance to get in there was closed. For by these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not yet freely opened as long as the tabernacle and the system was in use. So it, it, it lends itself that up in the heavenly realm, something's going on before this came to the earthly realm. I believe I know what that is. Hebrews 5. Here's where it hopefully will challenge us to grow. And no human can become a high priest because he wants to. Come on. I'm going to read it again. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such the honor. He has to be called by God for the work, Hebrews 5, 4, just as Aaron was. That's why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become a high priest. No, he was chosen by God and said, You're my son, today I've become your father. And in another passage, God said, You're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So now what we know is up here in this eternal realm, God chose Jesus and said, hey, I'm giving you a title. What's my title? You're going to be the high priest up here, man. You're going to be the high priest of this tabernacle in heaven. I've got it set up, but everything I do needs a priest. And, I, and you, son, I'm going to choose you. And I'm choosing you to be the high priest. Now, what was the role of the high priest? They would take the blood... They would take the blood of the animals. They would purify everything with the blood of the animals. And then they would come before the presence of God with the sins of the people once a year. And then they would go away. That's the earthly system. Now that earthly system of blood and animals purifying things so the presence of God could be known and absolve sins is also the same system in the heavenly realm. In the heavenly realm... It was going to take blood to purify all of the things in the heavenly realm so that the presence of God would be open to all. And he says of the Son, I'm going to make you the priest. But not only am I going to make you the priest, no one can become the high priest because they want to. They have to be chosen. This, while Jesus was on the earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with loud cries. Hebrews 5, 7. And God heard the prayers because of his deep reverence for God. And even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. He became the source of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. And God designated him to be the high priest. Now, in the heavenly realms, 
Jesus stood in this tabernacle as the high priest. Designated by God. This is before he came to earth. Designated by God to be chosen to be the priest. Except in the heavenly realm, he's not going to take blood of animals. Hebrews said it will be his own blood that he will walk into this temple with his own blood. And he will pour his blood over the altar. He will wash himself at the brazen. He will go and perform the entire system of worship. And then the Bible says he will appear before God with his own blood. And his own blood is given to God as a sacrifice for all of our sins. Now this is powerful. Because this didn't happen as an afterthought, like, oh, we got this weird system in the Old Testament. We need to. This system was going on up there before it ever got uh, object lessened down here. So, up in heaven were all these articles, and then there's the high priest Jesus standing there with the presence of God behind him. And you would think, for what reason? There's no humans. There's no humans there yet. For what reason? Well, remember, he's most high God over all creation. So Jesus, when my opinion, when Lucifer rebels, God institutes the Son to be the high priest. And the high priest keeps at bay all of the rebellion and sin that would try to now access the presence of God. And Jesus represents this high priest. And that is off limits until he dies and brings his own blood to it. And the moment he brings his blood into the heavenly realm, this entire presence of God opens up freely. To where you and I can access it now. So that I have the potential to very access the very throne room of God. Because of this. Now before Jesus died, good luck, you had to go find that tabernacle out in the middle of nowhere and take a goat and go, hey man, go tell him I'm sorry. And the priest would go do that and come back and go, all right, it's that time of year, you've all been absolved. And then we would repeat it year after year. Now know that every time you see it in the Old Testament, it's nothing more than a mirrored reflection of what's happened up there. Here's where it gets interesting. If God, the Father, said to the Son, I think I'm going to appoint you as high priest. I am going to ordain you and qualify you to be a priest for me forever. And the Son became obedient, came to the earth. Here's what's weird. Came to the earth... And as he came to the earth, he came as that high priest. And when they murdered him, put him on the cross, and his blood spilled out, he goes back into the heavenly realm to the presence of God and says, Dad, here is the blood that is splattered over all of the tabernacle. I put it on every every article is purified with the blood. And then he walks into the presence of God. And when he walks into the presence of God and he takes the blood and he gives it over to God, in that moment of time, God became available to every sorry, nasty human being. And you could go to him, not like, I don't want to get killed. You could go to him with confidence. In that moment of time, Now that is why when he died on the earth, the veil is torn in two. Is because this earthly object lesson was God is now available to all. So what he did in the heavenly realm made God available to all happens in the earthly realm. The the tent, actually the, the, the tent is ripped in two at his death. So here's what gets interesting. Is all this still there? Did it go away? 
What's going on now? Well, I think I got a hint. And I think because of this verse in Hebrews 5, the devil is ticked. Because here's what I want to show you. My belief is that the entire time of humanity and the existence of created beings and gods before humans, there was a fight going on for priesthood. This may shock you. The devil could care less about your children and your car, your house or your dogs. I just feel like the devil's really hitting me hard. He could care less about your lawnmower or whether your car starts. But what he does care about is Marlene will never be a priest, ever. I will destroy everything that would ever make her think she could be a priest. My belief is from the beginning of time, we've been fighting a war for priesthood. Now go back to what we said. What is priesthood? It is someone who's subject and serves like a workman for God. So God creates Lucifer. Lucifer is to serve him. Lucifer is to bring worship. Lucifer is to rule earth. Lucifer is to bring glory to him. Lucifer was to be working for God, but Lucifer said, not going to do it. And rebelled. When Lucifer rebels, God boots him out of heaven and God establishes Adam. And says to Adam, you will be a priest to me. And you will rule and reign and take dominion. And Adam blows it. And God pulls up Noah and says, Noah, listen, here's how it's going to go. You're going to be a priest to me. And I need you to do everything I tell you because I, I, I need to use you as a priest. And so everybody's nuke but eight and he becomes a priest. But as soon as he comes off the ark, the devil jumps in to destroy the life of Noah. He becomes drunk. His kids get cursed. And Lucifer begins to in, impact the human race again. And so God begins to try to find humans to be priests for him. In other words, you would think, why doesn't God just come do it himself? Why does he choose us? Because he's choosing us because he's always desired there to be a priesthood. People that would work for him for the right reasons. And in this old system, what we learn is we can't do it. We blow it all the time. So he's going to become the priest for us, and this is going to be the fight for it. Now, here's the first thought. Here's what you have to know about the eternal realm. The one who's designated high priest rules the house of God. So he who has the breastpiece and the garb of the priest is the one that's in charge and rules. So what we know is the high priest is the one that rules the house of God. If you go to this system of the tabernacle, it was the high priest that was in charge of the whole thing. Even in the New Testament, when they take him before Jesus, they take him to the high priest. Tell us what to do with this dude. The high priest was the one that was in charge of the system. He was the one that ruled over the house of God. He called the shots. Here's what we find out in Hebrews 10.21, talking about Jesus, and since we have a high priest who rules over the house of God. So what we know about Jesus is that God took the Son and designated Him to be a high priest. And said, now, hey, buddy, you're going to rule over my house here. And he says, yes, sir, Dad, I'll do it. I'll rule over your house. He said, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to designate you as priest. That means nothing to you and I because the tabernacle's not here. But remember, everything on planet Earth is an exact copy of heaven. So whatever that priest wore down here with the breast piece and all the garb, it's what Jesus would be wearing up there. Does that make sense? So this high priest down here is a visible reflection of Jesus up there. 
So what Jesus is wearing here in the eternal realm as a high priest is what this priest on the earth is wearing. He's a reflection of priesthood. As we come to the New Testament, we are to be a reflection of Christ. It's the way it's set up. Now here's where it gets interesting. Jesus rules over this whole house. Jesus, it will be known in the New Testament as the gate. Jesus will be the brazen altar. He's the blood that is sacrificed for you. Jesus is the labor that washes you for his word washes over you. Jesus is the lampstand for his spirit is the light. Jesus is the bread of life. And Jesus' death is the aroma that will ascend to heaven. And Jesus' death is the thing that opens up the very presence of God. So he rules over the whole house. It's why he will say in the New Testament, I am the gate, the door. No man comes to Papa but through me. And P.S., you do not come to Papa without the blood. You're going to have to pass the altar. And P.S., if you've not been washed with the water of the word, you will not move forward. Wonder why so many people today are weak and anemic and broken. Oh, by the way, when you come closer to God, you will bump into this sevenfold spirit called the Holy Spirit that will illuminate the most intricacies of God. And then you must eat of Him because you have to be intimate and know Him. And then, oh, by the way, when you come to him and you've been washed by him and purified by his blood, and when you're walking in the Holy Spirit, and when you're partaking of his life, you will be a sweet-smelling aroma. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? That it it all is just happening up there and down here. Oh, it gets better. Oh, and P.S., I'm going to blow the curtain off the place. And what am I going to do when I do that? I'm going to blow the curtain off the place and introduce you to the presence of God. And therefore, that means the Ark of the Covenant is there for you. And what was in it? Aaron's rod that budded, the Ten Commandments, and a jar of manna. What do those three things signify? It's going to be very interesting. I'll tell you in a minute. Jesus became a priest, not by meeting the physical requirements belonging to the tribe of Levi, but the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. The psalmist even pointed it out when he prophesied, you're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So what we have in the heavenly realm would be this. We would have Jesus as a high priest ruling over all of God's house, And that he would be guarding the presence of God, which would be the three things that are inside the Ark of the Covenant. They must be sacred. They would have to be sacred. The three things inside the covenant must be sacred. The, the, The Aaron's rod that budded, the Ten Commandments, and the jar of manna. The three things. I guess God could have put 30 things. Maybe it was too small. They just needed three. But it's going to get interesting of why those three things. Back to Ephesians chapter 2. Together we're his house. So now we don't pick up this archaic piece of tent in the Middle East desert. Now we bring it to 2981 Bomar Road. We're his house built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. And we're carefully joined together to become a holy temple. God is building us into this temple down here. Oh no, I don't see a tent around us. But what I do see is the three articles inside the Ark of the Covenant are access to us to do something. Ephesians 1.22, God put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over all things for the benefit of the church. This is what it would look like. If we're talking about now not an archaic tent in the middle of the desert that reflected heaven that is a system that no longer is there then this is what's reflected now Jesus Christ is the door and he's the head of the church and he rules over the church 
And Jesus Christ gave five gifts to equip everybody to do the work of God. And everybody that will do the work of God is called a believer and a priest. And every priest has access to the presence of God. So what? What does that mean? Very much so. My belief is that from the original sin of Lucifer, the battle has always been about priesthood. He was fighting God before you got here. He was fighting God before you got married. He was fighting God before you got addicted. All these things that we say the devil's doing, warfare, he got me addicted, he destroyed my marriage, he, 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 he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Maybe so, but please don't downplay it like the devil's up there thinking, I just really want to give you a flat tire to frustrate your day. But what he does want is he wants war for the priesthood. Before you ever got here, he wanted what the Son was. He wanted what Jesus had. And when he goes to take it from him, he's booted out of heaven. So God makes humans be priests, and that's why Lucifer is so intent to destroy you because he needs the power to destroy the priesthood. If he destroys the priesthood, he destroys the work of God. You can be a church like this and have no clue what it means to be a priest and we're no damage to the devil at all. You coming to listen to me preach, going home going, woo, that was good, is no damage to his kingdom at all. But when you walk out and go, oh my God, I'm a priest, I represent the kingdom, I'm a reflection of heaven, then let me get busy about something. I'm going to tell you what you're going to get busy about. Here's what begins to happen. Not only does he war after Jesus, he's warring after your priesthood. If you go to the Old Testament, it's amazing how many priests became corrupt. How the tabernacle system became corrupt. The whole thing became corrupt. Eli's children became corrupt. They would steal the meat. They would, they would live ungodly lives. They, they would just ordain anybody they wanted to be priests. It just, the whole system got corrupt. Why? Because the devil needed to destroy the priesthood because the priesthood was connected to the presence and the presence of God. If you had that on your side, it was a sign of kingdom authority. He who has the breastpiece has the authority. He who's walking around with this tabernacle in the wilderness carrying that little red box called the ark, they have the authority. Every time they had the box, they won the war. And when they lost the box, they lost the war. So know this, the devil is fighting for what's in that box. He needs what's in the box. But guarding the box is the priest. No, 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 no. Not anybody just comes in here and messes with the box, man. And us, if you try to do it, touch the box, you're going to drop dead. You don't touch the box, man. Whoa, whoa, what's so holy about the box? And theologians will say it represented the very presence of God Almighty. A box, an ark, an archaic little gold thing with angels above it. My belief is the devil's been fighting for it, and here's why I think this is so. Let's go to Exodus chapter 28. In Exodus 28, God gives the duplicate to Moses of what the high priest's breastpiece is to look like. So Exodus 28, God begins to say to Moses, all right, it's time for you to make the clothing that my son is wearing up here. I need you to make it just like I tell you, fashion it just like I tell you, and this is going to be the garb of the high priest. So what, in my opinion, whatever is being made here is what the son of God is wearing up there. All right, it's going to be fashioned just like it. An earthly priest and a priest that is forever. All right? Now here's what it says. I want you to make a breast piece of what? Judgment. So the first thing we can say about a high priest is he must stand in a place of judgment. 
Judgment means there must be rules. Rules mean there must be a government. A government means there must be somebody in charge. So the moment we get this, we suddenly understand there is this weird thing about the kingdom government of God that has very much to do with judgment. And so he's got this breast piece, and if you look at it, it's like this is a sign of judgment right here. And then it goes into Exodus 28, 17 through 20. This is the details. And you shall put settings of stone in it, four rows of stones. The first row, which would be across the top of the chest here. So they're going to have four rows of three going across the chest. You'll have a sardis, a topaz, and an emerald. The second row, verse 18, will be a turquoise, sapphire, and a diamond. The third row will be a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row will be a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. And they'll be set in gold settings. So here it is laid out for you. The high priest had these 12 jewels in his breastpiece. So as he puts it over his shoulders and he wears this garb, there's four rows of three stones going across his chest. If we do a deep dive study, each stone represents one of the children of Israel. We won't go there tonight. It's a little too deep to do that. But that this is what's on his chest. Now when he puts it on, it's signifying he's the high priest, he's the one that bears the judgment, and he's the one that's in charge. So whoever wears this is the one who has the authority to be in charge. Come on, are we there? I don't want to lose you. That's, that's critical. Whoever wears this is the one that rules the house of God. So he who wears this is in charge of it. And it's very detailed as it plays out through the book of Exodus and Leviticus. However, because I believe it's a fight for priesthood, watch something interesting. That before Jesus was ordained to be the priest and said, I chose you to be this, there was a bunch of created beings, gods and angels and spirits, and one of them that was created was Lucifer, who was a cherubim. He's the one we know as the devil. He's the one that we would say creates the chaos. You are the seal of perfection, Ezekiel 28. Amazing that God could put a Bible together and the high priest could be in Exodus 28. And the one that wants to be high priest is in Ezekiel 28. You are full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. In other words, God does never make junk. So get out of your mind that he has a pitchfork and horns and he's red with scaly little teeth and skin. When you look at him, you would literally be blown away. He is the most beautiful being that God ever created. The Bible will literally say he's the full perfect sum of everything God could put into a created being. So this person called the devil is not this little <laughs> wimpy little angel that flies around and stabs people with a pitchfork. He was the top dog of created beings before humans got here. When God backed away and looked at Lucifer, he's like, I can't do any better than that. This is the dude. He's, watch, full of my wisdom. So when we think the devil's just dumb, oh, he, the devil's just dumb. He's not, he, he is full of God's wisdom. He will outsmart you every single time. He will deceive you, lie to you, and pull you right in to eat a piece of fruit the whole time just reeling you in. Why? He's brilliant. You and I are no match for him at all. We lose Every single time. And the human that thinks they can beat him is arrogant. You are no match for him. So here's the deal. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Now this is before he rebelled. Look at what God covered him with. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, and the emerald. If we pop Lucifer in, 
Tis an amazing thing that Lucifer has nine of the twelve stones. I think it's intentional. But not just nine random, nine exactly like the high priest. But three stones are left out of him. Three stones are left out because God is telling us no matter how wise you are and how beautiful you are, you will never rule my house. You will never have my authority to rule my house. That is only for the Son. And so every time Lucifer, I don't know, maybe cherubim wings, flies up to present offerings to God from earth and to worship God, he has to pass by this high priest. And my belief is he became prideful. And he looked at himself and said, wait a minute, I got nine, you got, how did you get 12 and I only got nine? I, I want those three stones there. And so he decides to rebel to overthrow God that he could become God. But how can you overthrow God? You can only overthrow God by having the authority of God. How can you get the authority of God? You must be the high priest. How can I be the high priest? I need the three stones. That, in my opinion, is why when he came to tempt Jesus, he tempted him three times and then left him. Because every temptation was to get the other stone. It is written, man shall not live but by bread alone. You're hungry, aren't you? Yes, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in 40 days. Good. Turn that stone into bread. Number one was the temptation. Turn that stone into bread. Why in God's name is this important? Because inside that box is this manna that says, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So Lucifer's dipping his hand into that box to get that stone out that represents the bread of God. I want that. So the three articles, the manna that represents the word of God, He touched it in Matthew 4. I want that stone. And the stone I want is the bread of God that is in that box. Now make that stone become bread and obey me. Because the moment Lucifer has the obedience of Christ, he can rip that stone out and put it in him. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It is written. All right, I'll leave that stone alone. I'll go after the other one. Take yourself up here and throw yourself down for he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. No, no, no. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What was the second thing that was in there? It was the Ten Commandments was the very law of God that was written of exactly how you should do. That you would not tempt the Lord. You would not take His name in vain. You would worship Him and Him only. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So when He stands up and says, Hey, why don't you bow down and worship me and give me that third stone, that stone of worship, that stone that's in that box that says there's no other God but God. That Ten Commandments that said you shall have no other God. So every time the devil's tempting him, he's trying to take a stone because if he gets the stone, he gets the box. And if he gets the box, he's in charge of everybody. And he ruins it all. That's how you become God. He's going to overthrow the system. So he tempts him three times. The first temptation is, I want the bread that is in there, the manna, the jar of manna. No, I'm not going to do it. Get behind me. It's written. All right, the second thing I want is I need you to chunk yourself off this temple here. No, 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 no. I take authority. Because remember, Aaron's rod that budded was a sign of authority. No, no, no. You're not going to tempt the authority. I have the, he even said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. No, no, no. You don't even have that authority. And then the third one was worship me. No, you don't have that authority either, man. So when you see three temptations, it's not just some random. It's these two eternal beings 
Well, a created one named Lucifer, an eternal one named God the Son. And this one wants the priesthood. And he's been fighting to control the authority and the word and the power of God. So now when we come to this uh, thinking, the one who wears the breastpiece of the high priest is the one that rules the house of God. Oh, it's about to get really good. Buckle up. And it's Lucifer who wanted the three stones in order to have authority to rule over God's house and God's people. He has always wanted the place of God. He has always wanted people to worship Him and serve Him. Read the book of Revelation. It's all He wants. He wants you to worship Him. And if you don't take His mark to worship Him, He kills you. He has no mercy whatsoever. From the beginning of time till present time, Lucifer has been fighting for priesthood. Now here's the beautiful thing. He lost to Jesus the high priest. But Jesus the high priest, because there's always been a war for priesthood. Always. There's always been a war for it. So once he lost to Jesus, and Jesus says, it is written. It is written. It is written. You will not have God's authority. You will not have his word. And you will not have his worship. Get behind me. And he conquered him with his death. And the high priest goes back up with his blood and presents it before God. And the moment he presents it to God, the moment he says to God, here is my blood, and the temple curtain comes down, and all of a sudden the presence of God is opened up to all. And God says, my authority, my power, my word, my name is for everybody that would want to use it. How could you do this? How could you share your power and your authority and your name with mere human beings? Because I'm raising up a priesthood. And every priesthood to overcome the devil will need my authority. They will need my word and they will need to worship me and me only. But I'm going to share that because I have the, the audacity to think that my priesthood can be known on planet earth. So what does he do? Send Jesus again? No, he's only going to die once. Why die once? Because the blood would open up the presence. Why? Because the blood would take the cap off the Ark of the Covenant. Why? So the authority of God and the Word of God and the presence of God could come out. And then he says to me, I, I give this to you to access. And by access, oh, get ready. By accessing this, no devil of hell will have any authority over you. Every knee will have to bow to you. No serpent, no vile, no sickness, no disease, no torment, no addiction has any authority over you, son. Rise up and be the priest I've called you to be. And now Lucifer cannot match the authority that we have. He cannot. You, you find it in the New Testament. You find them going, hey, uh, yeah, you demon, come out of him. You find them walking with power, healing sick people, doing miracles. Why? Because the beauty of God is that he allowed a human being to be a priest and that priest could overrule the greatest being that God ever created. So the only thing the devil has is to deceive you out of priesthood. Because the moment he deceives you out of priesthood, you're a weak, anemic little Christian. How does he deceive me out of priesthood? He gets me to not understand the power of his word. I live apart from his word. I live my feelings. I live my emotions. I, I live my understanding and my logic. He says, no, you have to live by the word. There is no other way to live. It's not up for your opinion. You live my word. Oh, and P.S., if you'll worship me and bow to my word, you will have my authority. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. 
Watch what Jesus the high priest will say. And Jesus spoke with them. This is after he resurrected and presented his blood. And he said to the motley crew of humans, All, come on somebody. I'm about to get Pentecostal up in here. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go. In other words, he displayed the power back to us. Stop thinking like a victim. Stop thinking like you're some weak. I just want him to come get me. Hurry, it's getting so bad down here. Shut up. No, no, no. You are priests of the Almighty God. You have his power. You have his authority. You have his word. And every devil of hell has to serve the very authority with which you stand in. You can command sickness to come off of people. You can bring peace into the room when you walk in the room. I command every spirit of anger to leave this house. And anger has to leave the house. I just don't understand. We just can never get along in our marriage. Yeah, because you stop being a priest. I just don't know how my life doesn't work. You stop being a priest. There's not, man, stand up in your home. I command every bit of anger and fighting and bickering and arguing. Get out of my house. I'm a priest of the Almighty God, and I have authority to take charge over any sickness or disease or evil that would try to come and rob me of God's presence. Speak to your children. I command my children to serve the Lord. I take authority over every devil of hell that is trying to deceive them and blind their minds. You've got that kind of authority. This is what I said. The devil doesn't care about how much gas you've got. He doesn't want you to have authority of a priest. He doesn't want you to know the word. He doesn't want you to worship. He doesn't want you to take authority. Those are the three things he's fighting for because that's what truly makes you a priest. And then he said this. Hey, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't just go and sing songs. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about what priests should be doing here. And it's so far beyond what we're doing, it'll blow your mind. It just makes you go, dear God, we're wasting time. Amen. The stuff we nitpick over and argue over and pout over and quit church over and go to other churches. and It's because we stopped being priests and we started being little silly children. And we just took our little priestly thing off and laid it aside and got my feelings hurt. Got to find a new church now. It doesn't matter where you go. If you leave your priest's breast in the closet, you're never going to overcome. You have to clothe yourself with righteousness. And then when you do, it doesn't matter where you go. I'm an overcomer. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm victorious. It doesn't matter when the wind blows. Praise God, I'll make a kite and sail with it. I overcome. I have authority. I have favor. I have power. And I present myself in his name. That's a lot of preaching. I didn't mean to preach it. But I I think we're more concerned with, well, are you you pre-trib or post-trib? Why don't you just ask, are you a priest? And if you're a priest, whether he comes late or early, you'll be okay. Because you'll have authority. Are you Baptist or Methodist? What? Are you a priest? And if you like singing out of a hymnal, be a priest that loves the hymnal. And if you like a, hey, then be that. But be a priest. Take authority. Stay in his word. Doesn't matter what denomination you are, just be a priest. All right, now here's how it plays itself out. In the tabernacle, we saw it set up on the earth, and priests represented the presence of God, but that was the object lesson for what was in the eternal realm where Jesus is the one ruling. Jesus is over God's house. Jesus is the gate of God's house. Jesus is the brazen altar. Jesus is the labor. The lampstand is the spirit. Jesus' body is the bread. And the incense is the worship of his blood that goes up. But there is no curtain anymore. Come on, somebody. The very power and presence of God is at your fingertips. The Bible will say when you come to him now, you come boldly. Don't you come groveling. You come boldly, throw your shoulders back and say, because of Jesus Christ, my high priest who shed the blood to God Almighty, I can stand in the presence of God with all authority and all power and all might. 
Why? Why is this important? Go. And yet, this I'll end right here. My opinion, I think I'm right. That's why I give it. I think God's people have basically, rather than being priests, are narcissists. We're selfish. I, my prayers are for me. I, I'm tired. It's raining. Probably ain't going today to the temple of God. It's raining. Probably not going today. It's sunshiny. Probably going to go fishing. Like just sloppy. And we want to know why we're losing. And then we say, God, I don't know all this transgender gender stuff. Just make. Well, when priests don't wear their garb, when God's people quit being priests, what do you expect the devil's going to do? His kids are going to work overtime. While we're mad at Chick-fil-A. Mad that I got caught by a red light. Somebody hurt my feelings with a post. I, I'm not against all that, but... Come on, folks. We're the church of the living God. And we got to get over this baby whining, poor pitiful me. I got my feelings hurt. Welcome to humanity. We all get our feelings hurt. Somebody going to stab you in the back. Welcome to humans. Somebody going to disappoint you. Hello, welcome to marriage. But I put my shoes on. I clothe myself in righteousness. I am the priest of the almighty God. And I love this verse right here. It says this, teaching them, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded. The book of Revelation chapter 1 says that God has called them to be a kingdom of priests. You're called to be a priest. The war that's ensuing right now above your head is to stop you from being a priest. It's to get you to doubt His word. It doesn't work. It's just a book. To get you to doubt God's authority and stand in your own authority. And to get you to worship yourself and your feelings. And if you do, we cease being priests. And if we cease being priests, then the mirror image of heaven is not reflected on the earth. And if heaven is not reflected on earth, there's only one other option. Hell is. So if we're losing, it's not because the devil's so big. It's because he put himself in place of my priesthood and he's more powerful than me now. And we've got to get ourselves back out in front of him. Yeah. Hope that helped you. Let me pray for you.